All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast Transcend. I'm Jamie Christine, and I am a spiritual life coach, author, and entrepreneur. And today I've got Rebecca Merrill with me from Scottsdale, Arizona. She is a nutritionist, nutrition coach, and certified fitness specialist. Welcome to Transcend. Thank you, Jamie. I'm so excited to be here. It's going to be exciting to have a chance to talk a little bit um, about the holistic side of nutrition and and how it fits to our greater well-being. Absolutely. I've been passionate about this myself, uh, probably since my own fitness journey began back in 2012. So talking to someone who specializes in the field has been something I've really been looking forward to. <laughs> Yay. Well, I sure hope I can help. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's dive in. Uh, tell me more about what exactly a nutrition coach is. Well, a nutrition coach is, is a relatively new concept, I think, um, and it really comes from, you know, so many people know that they should lose weight or they should lower their risk of heart disease or, or maybe help stabilize their blood sugar to avoid getting type 2 diabetes or maybe maintain it if they're already there. Or possibly even, you know, you maybe been diagnosed with a um, food allergy and you just are like, ah, what do I do? How do I navigate through this? So a nutrition coach can be helpful for you to get to your end. So if your doctor says you need to work on your blood sugar needs to be lower, your A1C needs to be better, or you know you need to lose weight, great, that's a nice concept, but what do you do? How do you get there? So a nutrition coach can help. Um, I can basically look at what your goals are and really help to determine what um, might be a good avenue for you to go. Um, if you're you know, we talk and we find out that you might be, you know, having issues with snacks at night or stress or all sorts of different things that might be affecting your uh, nutritional status, then I can certainly help um, create some steps along the way to get there. So one of the great things, I mean, I, as a nutrition coach, you can come into someone's life and help them in any way that they need help with. So, you know, a lot of people need help just kind of sorting through all the noise of what's good and what's bad and, and, you know, how do, how do I know one thing says carbs are bad, but then I'm supposed to eat whole grains. So I, you know, it can just be very confusing. Oh gosh, So yeah. um, <laughs> hopefully I could help them with that, whether it's coming into your home and looking at the foods that you currently eat, um, to go taking a trip to the grocery store, let's find out how to pick good produce and let's learn what we can do. Maybe we can come over and do, you know, a cooking lesson and talk about some new ways to create things. Um, so, you know, it really is, is an individualized approach to helping someone achieve their, their desired nutritional status. I love that. That's really awesome. Uh, and when you said diet noise, that really struck a chord with me because yes, that is such a problem right now. There is, and that's such a good way to word it. There's diet noise. And I've myself been caught up in it just which way do you go? What do you do? And I've tried different things that made sense on paper. Like somebody will explain the science behind a certain way of eating and then I'll try it. And it turns out to be a complete fail and I feel miserable and nothing worked. And it's like, okay, like the keto diet, for instance, I tried that. I followed it by the book according to what it's supposed to be. And, oh my gosh, I felt terrible. My energy levels were just gone. I was fatigued and tired and drained all the time. I couldn't like my muscle strength wasn't what it used to be when I was working out at the gym. And I'm like, this is the exact opposite of what I was trying to achieve. And I oh, completely I'm plateaued weight wise too. like nothing. Like my body was just like, no, what are you doing to me? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, too, I um, had a brief thought just because, you know, some of 
you know, so I have better understanding to try different diets and kind of see what it's all about. I was the same way. Keto is, is, can be a very effective diet for some people, but the problem I think with, with the diet noise and all of this conversation is that it, it kind of has this, okay, everyone should do keto, stop eating carbohydrates. It's just, and that's not the case. I mean, we are all individual biochemical human beings that have their own needs and balances to really thrive. So mm-hmm. um, it's the same thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that are really into plant-based eating. And I too, am a big proponent of that, but it's not for everybody to go completely without any animal products. So it's yeah, really- I've actually had personal experience with that too. Cause I did try to be vegetarian for a while. Cause again, the science behind it was making sense that I had read into but yeah, same thing. It's like, I noticed all kinds of different negative effects in my opinion, where I just was not feeling like myself. And as soon as I incorporated animal protein back in or animal foods back in, I felt better, but I know people who feel better when they only eat a plant-based diet. So, and, and that's just back to that, you know, our own individuality that everybody's different. Um, you know, in my studies, I've, I've looked at a lot of different concepts, you know, and there's, there's even, you know, I've, I've studied some Ayurveda and I've studied some, like even the blood type diet, you know, on first glance might seem to be a little hokey, but there's a lot of science behind it. And it makes sense. You know, I'm personally a, a, an O blood type. And so O blood types have, they're one of the older blood types. They have a lot more stomach acid. They, they definitely do better with some animal protein. And that's exactly what I felt when I was, I tried to be vegetarian for a year and I, you know, really approached it with lots of different foods to really try to get a well-balanced, you know, all of my food intake and all my nutritional intake, but I still felt empty all the time. And I Mm. I think some of it was just that I am the kind of person that needs a little bit of, of animal protein, you know? I'm really glad you brought that up because yeah, I've, I've heard of the blood type diet, but yeah, I've never researched it or looked into it. And honestly, I probably knew what my blood type was when I had my kids, but I don't remember what it is anymore. But you know, what I think is really the best approach is, is looking at, at everything with a grain of salt and maybe taking, you know, some aspects of it. Like, you know, I mentioned the blood type diet, but I by no means think that that is something that you should just follow rigid absolutely this is the only way to go but it has some interesting concepts and some of those things resonated with me and then I don't know if you've heard much of of Ayurveda I've only downloaded a little bit but yeah I know a little bit about it I kind of I took like a little crash course on it one time and got the uh, the basic understanding but I'm sure a lot of listeners probably don't have a whole lot of knowledge so I guess we can kind of fill them in on what that is yeah and I'm by no means an expert but it is an in um an eastern approach to food and life in, in general. Um, but there's different doshas, meaning based on our body type, um, we all are a little bit different. And, you know, I personally fit into the pitta dosha, which we all have a little bit of each one, but just to tie it in, the pitta dosha also has, has a very strong digestive system. They call it the fire. And that fits me really well and kind of ties in with the whole blood type thing and that I have, you know, stronger digestive, um, digestive acid. And so I can handle a little bit more, um, harder foods, whereas some of the other, um, like the, the, uh, Kofa or the, um, Vata is the other one. They don't handle it as well. 
So, you know, and that's what I just like to take a little bit of, of different approaches and kind of try to tie them all in together and, and really look at that kind of, it's, it's just a little bit of balance between each one of them. Yeah. You know, we don't want to be too rigid. And I think that that's um, some of the big problem is that we all get caught up in this like rigid concept of like, no, I can't have any carbohydrates. Yeah, and no, I'm right. not any products or I can't have bananas because there's too much sugar in them. It's just too much rigidity can create a lot of problems because I do personally believe that the best nutritional balance is to just eat a wide variety of different foods um, to get all of the wonderful nutrients that nature has to offer. Yes, I do 100% agree with that. And yeah, uh, jumping into that whole concept of that that rigidity, it becomes deprivation. And I feel like when people feel deprived of something, it kind of psychologically does something in the process of trying to attain your goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we do have certain hormones. There's, um, you know, things in our, our system, like our neuropeptide Y that, that help to create these cravings for things. And when you deprive yourself of carbohydrates or whatever it may be that your body's desiring, it's going to offset into a more, like you deprive yourself of carbohydrates so long when you really need them, one day you're just going to fall off the deep end and just overload on carbohydrates. Yeah. Just would let yourself have a little bit here and there and kind of keep a nice balance and you probably would never get to that. Yeah. Which ties in a lot to um, intuitive eating, which is a really big concept that I think can help, you know, you mentioned the diet noise. And I always thought of myself even as a really healthy eater. I am aware of food. I know what to eat and what not to eat. And when I read this book um, and actually have it with me, it's called um, Intuitive Eating, oh. a revolutionary program that works. It's written by Evelyn Tribble and Elise Raish, which we can certainly um, get the link to that because I do, I do love their approach to it. And there's lots of books on intuitive eating, but when I had this concept of, oh, I'm a healthy eater and I do a good job. And then I read this, it started to, to make me think about all the things that are going on in my head every time I'm making food choices. And, you know, sometimes it's just that I'm have so much information that it kind of keeps me from making a good choice. Um, and you don't realize how, I mean, it has a lot of concepts in there. Like it talks about the diet police. You know, like, I'm like, I can't eat those French fries. Those are bad. Yeah. Just, who's the guy, please? You know, challenge them. Don't, don't let anything say that you just cannot have things. So one of the big things I get from intuitive eating and the, and the whole concept when I read this book is that we need to get rid of all of that noise and just go back to, I can eat whatever I want to eat, but what do I want to eat? You know, and then that's where that. you need to tap into what is my body craving right now? What do I need? How will, if I, I'm, I'm really craving some onion rings right now. So if I eat those onion rings, how will I feel afterwards? And then kind of think about it. I remember, gosh, last time I ate onion rings, I felt not so great after I ate them. So maybe that's not the best choice, but to really take that approach to think about what it is um, that your body's craving and give yourself that freedom. So if my body is craving those onion rings and I say, you know what, I just really want them, eat a couple onion rings, enjoy them, savor them, and then put them away and don't feel guilt. That's the other yeah. problem I always noticed that like if I indulged in something or indulged as I felt like it was, 
I would still feel guilty afterward. I'd wake up in the morning judging myself over how good of a job did I eat yesterday? Oh, I eat this thing that was bad. So I, then I have guilt yeah. and I shame myself. It's such a difficult cycle. Yeah, I really believe that guilt and shame just adds this layer of energy to the whole diet eating lifestyle to where like if you're trying to make positive gains for yourself, you're only going to hold yourself back by pouring in that negativity of guilt and shame that you did something wrong by cheating or messing yeah. up or yeah, getting off track. You know, the guilt then creates further stress. Yes, stress. Yeah. affects your next decision making. I mean, because stress is an interesting thing too, because when we put ourselves under chronic stress, you know, stress is a natural thing. It helps to keep, you know, your body awake and ready to take on challenges. But when we are succumbing ourselves to this constant stress, our bodies are getting depleted of nutrients through that stressful time because your body needs those nutrients to make the hormones to release, to make the cortisol, or on the other side, to make your serotonin and your dopamine that makes you feel good again. If you don't give yourself the right, you know, precursors or the foods that help make those hormones, you're never going to get back there. So the problem that we have with that stress cycle is that you're under stress. So you make bad food choices, then you're not getting the right nutrients. So then you're back under stress because you don't feel good. And it just creates this whole horrible cycle. Whereas when we are in those stressful moments, those are the most important times to be making better for food choices. Or, you know, like if you know you're going into a busy week and you have a lot of work and a lot of stuff happening, do a little bit of planning on Sunday. So you're not faced with Oh my God, I have to eat right now. I'm so starving. I haven't had anything. I just have to go get fast food because that's the only yeah. thing I can drink. Yeah. So planning definitely takes a lot of that edge off. But and I guess as a nutrition coach, you can help people with that planning process, I guess, right? Because we are in such a busy world right now. Everyone is just go, go, go. And I like in my life coaching field, I've noticed how much depression and anxiety there is. And just these this mental health issue going on is just tearing people apart. So I can imagine, you know, people who are already dealing with a very stressful lifestyle and dealing with depression and or anxiety would probably look at, oh no, now you're gonna tell me I have to think extra hard about my food choices too. Like I'm just adding yet another thing to my plate. So I guess that's, you know, obviously that would be where hiring a nutrition coach will take that extra load of, responsibility off of your plate because somebody's helping you on the journey. Yes. I really think of nutritional coaching is, is first to educate, to teach people just about things. Cause so many people just are unaware about the, the horrible things that are in a lot of our processed food or how good whole foods can be for you. And so first I try to approach it. Like I'm here to educate. Um, and then also to empower you, to help you to feel strong, to make the right decisions because if you are under so much stress that you can't get past what to even choose, then you're just going to keep repeating that cycle. So, yeah. you know, one of the first things you really need to look at even before we start looking at food is how are you dealing with your stress? You know, are you getting enough sleep? Because if your stress is through the roof and your sleep is off and you have other things, you're not exercising or moving your body, like all the great things you can do with nutrition are never really going to come to fruition if you have these other issues in your life that you're not finding a way to balance. Yes, um, absolutely. You mentioned stress and anxiety. I have, oh, I've had 
issues with anxiety and panic attacks my entire life. And wow. since I've been getting older, I realize more is just the taking a little bit of time for yourself is, is, and it seems so simple and we all know this, um, but you know, I'm, I'm a mom and I have, I just got adopted a new dog and I, you know, I have just a, a busy life, my kids in baseball and I work all the time. And, and if I don't slow down and take, even if it's just five minutes to go sit in a quiet room, I can't take care of all the other things in my life. I can't watch my nutrition. I can't take care of my family. Um, and then if I'm not in my full working order, how can I even possibly think about being a caregiver to everyone around me? So I'm it, glad you said that because I've been noticing, uh, and this is a little off topic from nutrition, but I've been noticing a lot of people saying that they feel like they understand that they need to take that me time and that time for themselves to kind of like recharge their own batteries. But when they do, they feel guilty about it. Like when they step away from their responsibilities, whether they take time off work or just, you know, schedule some time to get away without the kids, without the spouse, without the people then they feel guilty for doing that. And it's like, oh my gosh, you're totally defeating the purpose then by recharging your batteries because you're not going to accomplish what you're setting out to do if you're feeling guilty about it. Completely. Um, and I, I, I struggle with that too. As much as I know all these things on my logical side, I still have my emotional side that is chiming in. And sometimes your emotions can be a little skewed. They might yeah. not be able to factor everything in. I know like, after work, if I take time to go to the gym, I feel guilty that my, my child is now at his school longer or in his after school program. And it, but it's like, I do, it, I do need to remind myself, I have to be able to take care of everybody. And if I'm not in good health, no one's going to be there to be taking care of my kid and picking him up on time. And all of yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. You're just doing your kid and everybody else in your life that you care about. You're doing them all favors by taking care of yourself. So if you want, if, if you have that desire to take care of them, then it just is natural that you would need to take care of yourself. And that's something I'm, I'm wanting to help other people understand, because I've dealt with that guilt myself too. And I finally feel like I'm coming to a place in my life where, oh, I can actually enjoy like a girl's day and not have my kids <laughs> and feel okay with that. Like I'm taking care of me. Yeah, it's, it's very, very difficult. And it's kind of, I, I think of it a lot as too, is reframing your mindset, kind of like, you know, re reframing your mindset and your approach to food with intuitive eating, you know, your stress and the things in your life, reframe that. I like, I stole this from somebody else, but I remember someone suggesting when you're taking your kid to school or you're taking them to, for me, it's baseball practice, or, you know, I have to take the dog on the walk. Don't look at it like you have to do those things, but reframe your mind to say, I get to take my kid to school today. I get to go to my kid's baseball game because ultimately that's really where I want to be. I don't want to be dealing with all of these other stresses. I want to be with my family and the ones yeah. that I love and do for them. So I, love that. And, and I like how it goes back into the intuitive eating because like I said, I find myself sometimes just getting so caught up, like, okay, I need to lose a few pounds. I need to get back on track track. So I start thinking about it. And then I have so much noise in my head that I can't even make a decision. And I feel paralyzed. So going back to that intuitive eating and tell yourself, I can eat whatever I want to eat. I can do whatever I want with food, but what do I want to eat? Yeah. I love then, that. I I found when you said that, I found that I've actually already been implementing this with my son. He's got a mild dairy intolerance 
meaning he can eat dairy without any immediate repercussions. But if he consumes too much, like say he had cheese at one point during the day and then another dairy product and then ice cream at the end of the day, he's probably going to wind up with a bellyache. And uh, we discovered this when he was in preschool and I kind of have a, a dairy intolerance too. It's not bad, but it's enough that I just get almond milk because it's better than risking any problems with cow's milk. And so we always just consumed almond milk and my son never consumed cow's milk until he got to preschool and he was drinking it every day. And each day his stomach pain got worse and worse and worse to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, I was contemplating bringing him to the ER because he was in so much pain finally put two and two together. He's drinking milk at school. So we cut him off dairy completely and it made a world of difference. Like so much, not only just his stomach pains went away, but it's like his cognitive ability kind of improved, like all kinds of things improved with it. So it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. And it kind of motivated me. Like I'm going to cut out more dairy too. Like I'm going to really limit my cheese intake and you know, the ice cream is going to be like even more rare special occasions. And, and yeah, my seasonal allergies are like next to nothing if I'm not consuming any dairy at all. So that's a motivator as well. But now we get to the point where, you know, if, if we're, we're kind of craving ice cream, like, Hey, you know, it's been a good week. Everyone, you know, whatever, kind of like the little reward thing. Mm-hmm. Or if the kids are asking for ice cream, I'll just kind of mention, Hey, you do know that sometimes this gives you a bellyache. Do you want to risk the bellyache because the ice cream tastes good or is the ice cream tasting good? Not worth the bellyache. And How badly do you really want the ice cream? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And of course, you know, being a nine-year-old boy, he's like, well, I want ice cream. But I have noticed if he ends up getting a little bit of a bellyache afterwards, he doesn't complain. I mean, you know, I've got different things that'll that'll help ease it. But yeah, I mean, he he doesn't complain. He's like, okay, I own this. I made this decision and I have to accept the consequence. So yeah, I feel like... It's looking at, like, we're really, really lucky. Like years ago, if someone had a dairy intolerance, um, they were really in the tough spot, but we have almond milk and oat milk and cashew milk. And, you know, you can get many different kinds of yogurts made from coconut or everything else um, and ice cream, you know? So maybe if, cause sometimes it's not necessarily, do I really want to eat this? But maybe there's something else you can eat that's a little bit better that might not cause the discomfort. So maybe, you know, looking into some dairy alternative mm-hmm. ice creams. Yeah, you know, and I've actually done that before with some success. So yeah, that's a really good point. What's that? Were your kids receptive to some different things? Actually, yeah. Um, I have I have like a ice cream maker, and I tried making a coconut milk ice cream. Um, just plain vanilla wasn't really a big hit, but I've noticed when I add some like chocolate and peanut butter and different kind of fun flavors, they love it. And then I've also noticed that if you freeze bananas and then throw them in a blender, it makes an ice cream consistency that's like, it kind of messes with your head how good it is and that you feel like you're eating ice cream, but it's like, wait, this feels like it shouldn't be good for me. <laughs> I know, I was going to say that because bananas are the great, they make such a great consistency once you freeze them and mix them. Um, you know, my child also loves chocolate. And one recipe that I got once that was a great like dessert treat was to, you can take avocados and put them in a high powered blender with a little bit of um, unprocessed cacao powder, 
and some medjool dates. Medjool dates oh. are so sweet, but they're full of fiber and they have so many great nutrients in them. They give you that sweet flavor. And so you mix the avocado, the cocoa powder and the medjool dates, and it makes the most lovely um, chocolate pudding. Wow. And I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> this is really good. And he's, yeah. getting avocado and he's getting fiber and it's not just a, you know, high fructose corn syrup snack pack or something, you know, yeah. it's that same feeling with some high quality nutrients. Yeah. Because so, one thing I do tend to think about is a lot of times, um, you know, things are either really like good and are going to be amazing for your body, or they're going to cause a huge detriment to your body. So, and there's just not a lot of things in between. So it's always good to kind of think about what is this really doing for me when you're thinking about making your food choices and doing that intuitive eating process. Like, is this really what my body is craving right now? Am I going to get the nutrients I need to keep me striving through the rest of the day? Um, yeah. you know, those are all things to think about. Yeah, for sure. Your conversation too about like the lactose. So many people have food allergies that are subtle and they don't even know that they have them. So, you know, and especially too with lactose, I know a lot of people that have had no problem eating dairy their whole life, but that enzyme that, that breaks down uh, lactose as you get older sometimes isn't as effective or sometimes you just don't have as much of that enzyme. I too have noticed I can't tolerate dairy as much now that I'm older, but I wonder if I've always had a dairy intolerance because I've had eczema and I've had other signs of allergies. I have noticed a lot of people cut dairy out who have skin conditions and their skin conditions clear up. So yeah, that's, that is interesting. Um, as well as, you know, the other big allergen is gluten and, you know, everybody's so into gluten-free and I don't necessarily know if it's the answer for everybody. But again, if you listen to yourself and you notice that when you eat, you know, those foods that are higher in gluten, you might get a little disrupted. And now not to say that you can never eat bread. Um, you know, I don't think I handle gluten super well, um, but there's other types of things. Like if you get Ezekiel bread is a sprouted grain bread. And then what just getting rid of that because it's sprouted, it gets rid of the outer shell of the wheat, makes it easier to digest. Whereas okay. I don't do as well with just regular bread, choosing one, you know, slightly different that is sprouted can be easier to digest. So sometimes it's just playing with some different things. Like you said, you learned with your son that the dairy was irritating his stomach and then, well, let's try to not eat it and see if it gets better. And if it does, you know, that's, a, that's a good sign too. Yeah. Um, also, you know, nutritionists can help with elimination diets where you, if you're having some issues with allergies and you're not really sure what it is, you can go through this process of getting rid of everything that could be call it causing the allergy and then slowly bringing them back in one at a time. So you can really evaluate your body and how it's reacting to each of those. So yeah, uh, an intuition group can help you with that as well. Yeah. I feel like though, um, there's a bit of a paradox there. So I'm curious how you as a nutrition coach handle the issue of that deprivation problem while doing an elimination diet. Cause I'm a huge believer in the elimination diet. I've done it myself. I, yeah, well, I mean, just by cutting out dairy, um, it was actually while I was originally breastfeeding my first son and his colic went away after I cut dairy out. And then that's when my seasonal allergies also went away and I was feeling better. And it was just like, okay, apparently dairy isn't my thing either. Um, I have cut out gluten 100%. 
And uh, for a while there, I went uh, paleo and cut out all grain 100%. And then I jumped on the carbs are bad wagon for a little while until I realized, wait a minute, not all carbs are bad. It's not okay to cut everything out. You know, maybe just eating these processed junk food, high sugar carbs aren't a good idea, but cutting out things like fruits and where carbs are better for you is okay. But the elimination diet process is hard for people because I feel like people have this like emotional attachment and this bond to food that they, it's almost like an addiction, I feel like. And how do you help a person break through that addiction so that they don't feel this deprivation while they're uh, eliminating things? And then, you know, like, how do you balance that? That's, that's a great question. Um, you know, one of the good things about an elimination, elimination diet is that it is short term. It's not something uh, that you're really trying to maintain for, for months and months and months at a time. Um, it's usually looked in a smaller segment and in, in no doubt about it, it can be very challenging. My sister-in-law right now is going through um, trying to identify what's causing her problems and she's she's like oh my god I can't have eggs in my next segment and I love eggs and it's like okay though it's only going to be I think she has, can't eat eggs for four weeks but after that it'll get back to normal and so I think one of those big things is just reminding yourself that this is really trying to help you figure things out and it's not that you can never eat those things again but we just need to take a little break so you, you can really identify it because the ultimate goal is really feeling good you know yeah. if you've been plagued with you know, allergies and issues to gluten or dairy or soy or whatever it could be, and you haven't been able to identify it, like, I think sometimes there's just a lot of excitement in really trying to say, wheat, gluten has been causing all of my issues, and now I don't eat that anymore, and I feel amazing. You know, if you focus on on the, the positive outcome of, of the elimination diet and reminding yourself that it's not going to last forever. Like, I think, you know, so many people when they start a diet, like keto, for example, and they're thinking, I can't eat carbs. It's not just like, I'm just doing this for a short term. It's like, you know, like, I'm never going to eat carbs again. One of the things that makes me laugh in the intuitive eating book is she talks about a lot of concepts that I think we all recognize. But um, one of them is the concept of the last supper. Like, I'm going to start keto on Monday. So I need to eat everything in sight on Sunday because it's the last time I'm going to be able to eat you know, and it's this trick your mind plays on you. So we all do that. I have done, I have had quite a few last suppers in my life. It sounds like you have just gone from, you know, one set of diet rules to another, to another. And, and so many of them conflict with each other that you had to be coming out of that. Just being like, I don't know what I'm supposed to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and I am, I know I'm not alone and I've, I've just gotten to the point now where I'm just exploring the intuitive eating. I, you know, I, I know that fruits and vegetables are so important nutrition wise. So it's like, you know what, I'm going to focus on trying to eat more of them. I know the things that I don't feel good when I eat them. So I'm going to try to avoid them, but I'm not going to do it to the point where I feel like I'm completely depriving myself and I'm just going with the flow, getting to know my body and trying to implement self-love along the way. But it is, you know, up to that point it's been so confusing and so frustrating. And there's, there's diet noise. 
And I think everybody's kind of frustrated with that, where, you know, this person says keto is good. This person says keto is terrible. This person says be a vegetarian and a vegan. And this person says, no, our bodies are designed to eat animal meat. And this person says, you know, paleo is the way to go. And this person says, no, it's not. <laughs> you, know? yeah, no, you shouldn't be eating corn, but this one says this corn is the best yeah. thing. And like I said, I just really feel strongly is sometimes we just need to shut it all off and just like give yourself permission, unconditional permission to eat. Yeah. Okay. We don't have to all be super teeny tiny. We need to live healthy. And that's part of it is internal and feeling good. And what, what makes you feel better? Um, for me, it, it, it helps sometimes when I feel like I'm getting caught up because I also do read so much about food that I get a lot of these messages in there. And it's just to remind myself that whatever I want to eat, I can eat whatever it is I want, you know, but when you think about it, it's like, so I just learned that bacon has sodium nitrate in it and that's linked to cancer. So do I really want to eat the bacon? You know, it just yeah. like, just be in tune with yourself and really ask yourself what makes sense. So, or do I really want to keep going on the positive route that I have been going? You know, once you take away, like you mentioned the limit maker, the deprivation, mm -hmm. something saying, because I guarantee it. And I am, I can't be alone here. If someone says you cannot have that, like, that's the only thing I want. Uh, like, yeah. I, I, you're definitely not alone. <laughs> it's like, it's hardwired into most of us, if not all of us, <laughs> that's all we want when we say we can't have it. <laughs> and so amazing things can happen when you really like change your mindset and just let yourself accept, I can eat what mm -hmm. I want to, what do I really want to eat? So, yeah, I love that. Um, I realized that we didn't really dive into your backstory. Um, oh. We just really dove into just the excitement of talking about this topic in general. But uh, let's learn a little bit more about what you what brought you on this journey. What made you passionate about nutrition and led you to uh, ultimately study it and become a nutrition coach? Um, yeah, fill us all in. Well, thank you for asking that, Jamie. Um, you know, I think anybody that's in health and wellness have had some journey to get them to their, that point. So, um, you know, and I, I can distinctly remember a point in my 20s. Like I ate whatever I want growing up. You know, I grew up in the 80s and it was the land of fast food and convenience items and TV dinners and just packaged everything. And that's what I grew up eating because that's kind of all we knew. We thought everything was just fine. Um, and then I remember once in my twenties, somebody saying, I have a cold, I'm going to eat this soup with all these vegetables in it. And it was like a light bulb went off. It's just like, Oh my God, what we eat and put into our bodies does affect who we are and how we feel. And, you know, it seems so rudimentary, but I, I do remember just having that moment of realizing that, okay, yeah, what, what we choose does make a difference. Um, so and then when I got into my 30s, like, so I spent my 20s trying to like just be healthy and work out and I would get no fat cheese or I would, you know, kind of play into a lot of that um, diet noise we refer to. And then in my 30s, I, I had my son, uh, so I had a baby and I just that year or so after I could never really recover. I felt sick all the time. I felt like I always had a cold. Now, you know, I would, you know, first year of the child, you're not sleeping a lot and, right. and that can be challenging, but I also just wasn't taking care of myself either. And then I read a book, it was called Super Immunity by Dr. Joel Furman. 
and it opened my eyes. He's a big proponent of plant-based eating, which I do think is, is great as long as you're listening to yourself. Like I, yeah. I think I use predominantly the plant-based eating as my own method, but I have learned that I need to interject a few things because when I read his book, I'm like, I'm going to go plant-based. And I tried just being vegetarian for a year and I still ate some cheese and a little bit of, of, of animal products, but no meat. And I, I, it didn't feel right for me. So I felt like I needed to delve further. And then I discovered the holistic nutrition program at uh, the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, which is, we've met through that school. And yes. um, it's really awesome because it's not your typical registered dietitian where you're prescribing, you must eat these calories and, and it's just really rigid. It, it, it looks at the holistic approach, like what we've been talking about is, you know, it's sleep, it's your exercise, it's your stress level. And all of these things go into being healthy and, and making good food choices down to, I mean, they, we propose a lot about soul food diet and it's not um, it's an acronym for uh, seasonal, organic, unprocessed, and local. And those, if you've kind of used that as your guideline, that can kind of help you make healthy food choices. But I find that it also gives me a peace of mind because I feel like I'm looking out for my community by choosing local foods. You're supporting your local um, farmer, but it's also not getting transported across the United States and creating that bigger carbon emission. So it's yeah. all, or being mass all produced, which, you know, there's a whole lot of other factors that go into mass production. <laughs> no, like learning about things, you know, like that, that conventional strawberries get sprayed. They're picked when they're not red and then they get sprayed with some chemical to help get them to that point. So they can stay fresh and be transported a million miles away. And it just, uh, yeah, I've, I've often thought about, you know, how quickly my fruit produce, whatever can go bad in my refrigerator. And it's like, what prevented this from going bad when it got picked, when it got boxed, when it got transported, when it got delivered, when it got put on the shelf, like there's a whole process that goes on. How did it not get bad in the process? But now I have it in my fridge and it's yeah. And you think about that, that strawberry, whatever it is in your fridge, and it's like, how long ago was this actually growing and attached to the plant? I've often and wondered that. And how did nutrients you really have in that food, you know? So, whereas like, I love to go to farmer's markets. I mean, I, I'm a nutritionist, so that's my jam. I just love to see all the fresh food. And, but when I buy things there, I find that even, you know, they're organic and they haven't been sprayed with anything to help them last longer, but because they're, you get them closer to when they were ripe and picked, they last longer in your refrigerator. Yeah. Isn't so. that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my food journey has really just been to try to just inc increase my own health and longevity. I want to be here for a long time and I want to feel good. But one thing I do always want to add, if I haven't stressed it enough, is that everybody's different and you do need to find that balance with yourself because you know, there's some foods that I just love and I know that might not be the healthiest choice for me, but I also want to live my life with joy. And if, you know, occasionally eating a cheeseburger makes me happy, then, you know, that's not the worst thing. Now yeah. I do try to pick healthier, you know, get some nice organic ground beef, make them smaller. We don't have giant half pound burgers or anything in my house, but <laughs> you know, you find some, some balance there, you know, you don't want to deprive yourself of anything. Um, if it's something that you, you really, really want, but 
think about why you're eating them. Oftentimes, you know, we find that we're overeating and going to the snack counter because I had a bad day and I want some chips to make me feel better. Yeah. I've noticed there's a lot of people that will try to fill emotional voids with food. And I've, I've gotten caught in that too, where it's like, you know what, I'm just really stressed out right now. And just a chocolate cake sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's going to fix all my problems. And gosh, you know what, every time I try to do that, the chocolate cake tastes good for a minute, but then I feel horrible and my problems almost seem like they got worse. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But trying to get, because I don't know. I've, I've noticed this for myself. Like there's times where, yeah, I just, I, I can easily stress eat and I'll even talk to myself in my head, like, okay, chill out. You're stressed. There are other ways to manage the stress in a healthy way. The chocolate cake may not be the most healthy way and think about how you're going to feel afterwards. Yeah. I'm probably going to feel like crap, but then I'll still be like, I don't care. I don't care if I'm going to feel like crap. I'm gonna eat the chocolate cake anyway. (laughs) <laughs> well, and, that, and that's, I said, sometimes when, when you go through the intuitive eating process and you're like, I, I really do want to eat the chocolate cake. That's okay. Let yourself have some without overindulging in the whole cake. Yeah. Enjoy. Move on. Don't feel guilty of that choice, you know, but if you really make more thought before you make the choice, you have less likely to feel guilt afterwards. Cause you know, it's like, no, I really did take this into consideration. I wanted it. I had a few bites or I had a small piece. Move on. Okay. How do you, uh, how do you advise somebody to just move on? Because I know there's a lot of people and I've worked with people like this before too, um, that get caught up in the binge eating where it's like all sense just shuts off all willpower or motivation to continue to make good choices is just gone. They say, okay, you know what? I don't care if I'm going to feel like crap later. I'm going to eat this chocolate cake because I am in a bad mood. And then they eat, you know, half a piece because it's, oh, just half a piece is okay. They get through that. And it's like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to eat the whole thing and, or the whole piece. And then after that, they're like, you know what? I already made it this far. I think I'm going to have another piece. A whole nother cake. <laughs> yeah. And then it just spirals out of control. And I can admit I've been in that like mentality where I just don't care anymore. And that's how I've gained weight. I've gotten to this weird, like, it was, I don't know, a while back when I was battling with depression and anxiety myself, more so depression than anything. And yeah, I would just, I just quit caring. I just didn't care anymore. You know what? This chocolate cake tastes good. I don't, I'm not even gonna think about the fact that I'm gonna taste like crap afterwards. And it turns into this perpetual cycle. And so I guess like, what would your advice be for somebody who is almost kind of addicted and they get caught up in that binge eating roller coaster where all sense and logic gets shut off. They don't care. They're going to eat the entire cake. Um, I personally feel like the best way to really start um, delving into the intuitive eating concept is to start by keeping a food log and it not just like you're writing down just what you're eating, but write down how you feel before you make the food choice. How do you feel when you're eating the food? And then how do you feel after? Don't make any changes to anything. Don't, don't try to restrict anything, but just start by just recording what's going on. You know, if you're in that mode and you're writing down, I am super emotional and stressed and I looked to the chocolate cake and then I ate the whole chocolate cake. And then afterward I felt horrible. Just seeing that written down and, and it acknowledges it and it gives it some you know, validity so that you can say, you know, this is really what's going on with me. It's not just something I pushed aside and now I'm ignoring, but it actually can help you realize what, what you're going through when you get there, because 
eating does release some dopamine and some of those feel good chemicals for us. And so it, it is kind of tough when you are facing that, but if we can look to find other ways, you know, to, to get some of those positive emotions, you know, I mean, once you can identify what's going on with your food, like I said, starting with that um, food log, <clears throat> if you then start to find other outlets for your emotions, like think of other things that make you feel good, you know, like even sometimes just fake it till you make it, like go take a walk around the block just to think about if you want to eat that, that chocolate cake. Yeah. And then you find, gosh, just getting outside, I feel better just by taking a walk around the block, you know? Um, so sometimes I feel like just, just delaying it to think about it and then writing it down and keeping track of, of your feelings. And then ideally, if you're still struggling with it, then go bring it back to a nutritional coach, you know, and look, this is my week. This is what I ate. And I feel horrible for all the things I did. And, you know, but then you have something concrete to look at and something so you can see, okay, so last week you had this trigger. Now, every time you get in that stressful moment, rather than just turning to chocolate cake, I want you to think about your emotions and think about your feelings and what other things could you do rather than turning to the cake? Yeah. Go for a walk. You could, you know, read a book to your child, you know, find something more positive to go with. Yeah, I love that. And it, it just kind of solidifies how important it is to have that coach, that accountability partner, that educated person to guide you on the journey. Uh, like this has been really eye-opening for me too, because I've been to counseling who, uh, well, my counselor was kind of both a counselor and a life coach. So I've gotten to experience how important it is to be guided through the emotional process of life as far as just your life choices. But it's so important to have a coach for the different facets of life. I mean, just like if you're going to join a softball team, you're probably going to need a softball coach. So of course, if you're wanting to make healthy changes for your body and for your lifestyle, then having a nutrition coach would make sense to guide you through that process of, yeah, attaining your goals. So I, and I, I currently am available. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. And so if you're local, I could certainly work to meet in person, but I um, also am open to doing um, coaching through Zoom. So best way to reach out to me and find me is first, you can follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Merrill 77. Um, you can also send me an instant message if you'd like to contact in person, or if we want to work out an opportunity to do, um, you know, some online coaching too, we can work through that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the link to Rebecca's Instagram will be um, posted below in the description. So you guys can feel free to reach out to her on social media um, if you're interested in looking into nutrition coaching. Well, great. I appreciate yeah. being here today, Jamie. Um, I'm, I'm just really excited with what you're doing. And I love just the uh, awareness you are creating for people, whether it's awareness about ourselves or our environment or our foods that we're eating. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So I really appreciate you coming on too. Cause yes, I do love helping inspire people, open minds and talking about anything across the spectrum that can do that is wonderful. So yes, food is a huge, important factor to that whole journey. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight and your expertise and, and yeah, being available to anybody else who needs help on their journey too. Well, thank you so much for having me and I would love to be back in the future if you ever want to talk more.
Absolutely. I'd love that. All right. If there's anything else, is there anything else you wanted to add or you think we feel you feel we covered it? Like I said, just like check out some of my Instagram. Um, I do a good job. I talk a lot about intuitive eating and a lot of the concepts we talked today there um, and would love to chat more with anyone that has any questions. Yes. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you. Bye.